other people's shoes. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for joining me today. Super excited that you've chosen to stop by today. Really excited about our guest today. It is season finale day. Always excited about that. Always excited about wrapping up a season, but also part of me is sad to see a season go, much like I'm always sad to see a guest go. Today's guest comes to us from a sort of family member. So let me backtrack a little bit. I have an older brother. He is actually two years older than I am. And somewhere along the way, he met this amazing woman named Jody. And so years passed and time goes on and Jody and my brother have a child together. As time goes on, we lose track of each other and we kind of regain this, this friendship again outside of my brother and her. And so I asked Jody nicely to come on the show and kind of talk about her experience because she's walked through some shadowy moments. And so I'm putting this out there. I hope Jody hears this. Jody politely told me no. And I was kind of heartbroken, but she said, don't worry, don't fret. I have somebody just as amazing as me, if not more amazing. And I'm going to turn you on to her and her name is Cheryl. And so Cheryl, I want to welcome you in. So courtesy of Jody, thanks for coming in today. And I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. And I appreciate Jody for even thinking enough of me to let me take the place of her in a position such as this, because she is an amazing woman. Well, she really is. You know, you and I got a chance to talk kind of preliminarily a while back, and I'm excited to kind of walk in those shoes that that we're hopefully going to be in today, because I know you have a very, very amazing story yourself. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited that we got to meet and cross paths. So I want to start with that. Cheryl, before we get too far into your story, I got to know this question, have it answered. If, If you're willing to share, what style of shoe do you like to wear heels what kind of heels like help me with that because i'm not a girl i don't i you know when you say heels i mean to me that that has a whole kind of connotation so would it help me with that they were there the actual answer would be pumps and four inch heel pumps is that so you can be taller is that so your your calves look more amazing you know i don't know because again I've, I've never worn pumps or heels i just like walking in heels you can walk and the women at my job when i come in with the heels they always start they always do this thing and says walk 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 for me walk with me walk with me and I just start walking a little faster that's good stuff I love that Cheryl we asked that question because we want to try to be in your shoes today I know it may sound a little silly but but we really do try very best figuratively be in your shoes today so we have been asking people this question that I think is needing to be answered just as as much as our shoe question or has there been maybe is there still a shadowy presence in your life that maybe you haven't been able to escape or maybe you did escape from and if so maybe speak to that if you wouldn't mind then i would have to change shoes and come out of my heels which i did come out of during the shadow part of my life when i changed into a pair of flight shoes which is what is worn when you travel in the federal prison system you're on what they call con air and that's how they fly you to your destinations when you're going to prison i got arrested in 1995 son's father in 95 and i flew from prison 
down to Tennessee to face trial, another trial down there where I received 21 years and 10 months sentence, my time being run concurrent and not consecutive because if it had been running consecutive, I wouldn't be speaking with you, Neil, at this moment. What led to you being incarcerated? My son's father was a drug, not a drug dealer. He sold cocaine. Of course, because I was the girlfriend, I was in the in the operation of it all. But you yourself never used it. I've never used cocaine in any form. When I was 17 years old, I smoked marijuana one time. Where I cried the entire night and I never did it again. I was just of the mindset that if you don't use something like substance like that, then you would make money at it because you wouldn't indulge your own self in it. It was a lot of money too. So you mentioned being in jail all this time and and being away from your kids and being a mom. What was the hardest part about being away from your kids for so long? Think that what you think is your children are going to forget you because women came into prison, they would express that thought that what if my kids forget me? It's a constant reminder when you don't get to see them every day that this is not the best thing that could have happened in my life because you do see your children every day. There are some women, when I first arrived at prison, I immediately start taking parenting classes. There was one lady there that had already been in prison nine years and she hadn't seen her children in nine years. And there are people who don't get to see their children at all. For me, I only got to see, I saw my my birth son like every three months, every three or four months for a while until they shipped me. And then I wouldn't be able to see him a length of time. For both of my children, the first time I saw them together was I had been in prison for four years and six months. And that's the first time that I was able to have a visit with both of them at one time. What did that experience feel like for you when you saw him for the first time? Together, it was absolutely wonderful. It was at Children's Day and they that's only when the children that you keep the children with you and if there's no other adult but the adults can come in like the next day but that one particular day they just have it for the kids and what happened is um, we were eating and I said come on guys let's go and, and wash our hands and stuff but they they were not used to me anymore at all they weren't and it was like almost like not like I was a stranger already it was like they had forgotten that they were close to me that sounds pretty emotional when you think about it I I would imagine not being in your shoes but kind of being in your shoes for a moment the pain of that knowing that that day is going to end and you're not going to be able to see him again did you try to like savor every moment and just try to like hold on to it as best you could my neighbor and I just today when I was coming home from work we were talking about memory because she was saying her father-in-law this coming week it will be one year since he passed and I was like wow it doesn't even seem that long she said but you know uh, my mother-in-law was saying so sad she said we have the memories of him and I said that's what when I was in prison and I came home I talked to a lot of my friends that had been my longtime friends and I said to them thank you so much for the part you played in my life because I lived off of memories most of the time I said not only myself but I would share stories and funny stories with the women and they'd laugh. 
so and I would say thank you so much for that because without memories without memories I don't know where we would be in life because that's even with my mom when she passed two years ago and people used to say to me why do you take her so much because my mom was like 96 when she died I said she to me she likes riding in the car but I used to take pictures all the time so now like when you you have that daily thing where the pictures pop up the pictures pop up of her and I'm just I'm always so grateful because I'll say oh that's the day I took her here oh that's the time me and her had our red noses on and and you know to make me smile even though I miss her tremendously it's just something about memories and so with the children I would like you're saying hold on so those nights when you're still sad and crying about you're not with them you can just think yeah but we had a good time that day even though like I'm saying they kind of were not that they were distant but they didn't they weren't as familiar with me any, anymore it's like a you're gone away for a length of time and they learn new things and new behaviors and it's not like when you were with them because you're not with them anymore but you hold on like you're you're saying you relish and hold on to the memories of the time you did get to spend with them what did prison teach you about yourself what did it teach me about myself i've never even considered that question before well i can say this it taught me that i'm resilient and a survivor even though you have to survive the missing your family part you survive all of that makes you a stronger person i always tell people all the time now i say when covid first came it's like the second day the people were like oh i can't stay in the house like this i can't can't be locked up. I can't do this. And I used to tell the girls because I actually work my job now is I work at an organization that houses women coming out of incarceration. So the women we had at the beginning of the COVID, I said, this is like really a breeze for us because we survived this type of living already. I don't know. It just makes you, you know, that you're stronger than you think. And that you can make it through anything. You just have to just do it. That's one of my things I I like about the Nike, how they say just do it. Because that's what you do when you're faced with any obstacles and you think you can't. Just do it. Try and do it. What was one of the scarier parts for prison? I don't know that I had any scary moments. For me, seriously, prison is probably one of the safest places you can ever be. The federal prison. I've heard stories about state, but for federal prison, it's probably one of the safest places. My mom said to me one time, I'm so scared for you being there. And I said that to her. I said, Mom, this is probably one of the safest places I could ever be. And you know, albeit that the men, I know the men do time differently from the women. For the women, it's a sad time and it's not a scary time. Now you get women who come in who watch prison on television and federal prison is nothing like prison on TV at all. Can you help us understand that? Why is it so safe? Why is it so different than other prisons? Well, I've never been in state prison, but I've heard the story. And let me tell you this, it develops a false sense of security in you because when you go back out, we had two women from Dublin who actually got hit by cars and died because you're so used to just no, no, their vehicles there, but there's no danger in the vehicle. So you can, I would guess, would remember, not even remember, but because you were so safe around vehicles, there is my 
my thinking that they just stepped into the street, not thinking that a car could actually damage them because you don't, you're in no danger around vehicles there. You're in no danger. And because we're behind a fence, we're behind a fence with guards. It's like nothing can really happen to you to hurt you. I think so many people think of prison like what they see on TV or what they've seen in movies or portrayed that way. So for, for me to understand that, I, I appreciate you sharing that. What is something that you are now doing that really is your way of giving back and your way of trying to help other women? I, I know some of your work, but maybe help me understand that a little better. First of all, me coming out, I couldn't see coming out of that situation without in some way doing something to help that situation. You come home like you come home and you, first of all, you'll email the girls back and I tried to help. They needed something looked up because that's one of the things. Some people have no one that can look up things. It's that simple because in the federal prison, you can't use the computer for that kind of thing to just Google and stuff. I've had people, some people that I, I email that are, are doing life sentences and one of them she said to me one time hope you don't think I'm crazy for asking you because she asked me what's the largest spider in the world and I told her it's nothing like stupid or crazy about that because you just you want to know you want to know you you probably just maybe saw a spider one day and thought like wow I wonder what's the largest spider in the world so something that simple or something as needed as somebody needing some legal help and not help in a sense that I can help them, but me looking up a case and sending that to them. So I tried to help in that kind of way. And then I started working at an organization and the organization I work for is called New Way of Life Reentry. And there we actually fight for the rights of not only do we house formerly incarcerated women, but we fight for the right of the people coming home and for rights and rights and laws that will help people to come out of jail sooner. Why is that work so important to you, being able to help women and to give back? My founder, Susan Burton, calls us freedom fighters because the real truth is not everybody that's in prison should be there. And I can see where some people actually deserve to be there like I did for what the crime I was committing. But there are some people who get caught up because they're a boyfriend a girlfriend of somebody that's doing something wrong and wrong against the government. I wonder about this when, when I hear of someone involved in drugs and you know, the selling of drugs and things like that, it, it makes me think of them at least the perspective that I have, that they're very selfish. They're very just me driven. They're very just, you know, Frank Sinatra, I'm doing it my way, you know, kind of thing. Do you think you, you've had to change? Do you think you've had a, a perspective shift since all those years in jail? And if so, how? Of course I have. And the change is this, that material things are not that important. When I was there, my son had come to visit and one of the young ladies I had met, I was coming from the little commissary store and she was sitting on a bench in front of her unit. And I sat down and started to chat with her. And Another lady, a young Hispanic girl came out and she sat down and the Lena said to her, you should see Cheryl's son. He's so cute. She said, my children are cute. She said, my, my kids are cute. And I said, you got pictures of them? And she said, yeah. So she went in the unit and came back out. And I was like, oh my goodness, they're really, really cute. And so she's talking about them. And she said, and that probably was July. And she said to me, 
My sister is here also. We're going home in December, but we're not going to have anything to give them. And I said, that's where the problem lies. I said, it's us who want them to have the Barbie car, the Jeep, the, the latest games, and all of that type of thing, when the best thing that could ever happen for them is to be able to walk into the next room and hug us. But so it's not, it's always about the love part for me now. And what can you offer them? And Dr. Laura Schlesinger, before I ever went to prison, I used to listen to her and I wanted to become a psychotherapist because of her. And she one time on her show said to someone, I don't care which one of you does it, but one of you needs to quit your job. Somebody always needs to be at home with the children. She said it can be the mother, it can be the father. She said, and if you have to, come out your house, move into an apartment. But someone always has to be with the children. And I can understand that now because their life revolves around the parents. And if the parent is not there, one of the parents is not there, then they're missing out on love. And I love they should have. Sure. What's one decision in your life that you don't regret? A decision in my life I don't regret. I don't regret having my son. I don't regret taking Alvin. I accepted Alvin before I knew that Alvin was mentally challenged, but he taught me a lot. He taught me to just live my life. And it's a thing when people tell their children, you better do better. You better do better. You better do better. But I learned from Alvin, just live your life and, and laugh and be happy. Because one time we were at a friend's house and he was playing a race car game, video game on TV. And I heard the kids in the room saying, no, Alvin, no, no, Alvin, no. So I go in the room and look, he's turned the car around and he's going backwards on the, on the track. And he's just laughing. And I said to myself right at that moment, it's not always about winning, but it's just about laughing, having a good time with what you're doing. And so from then on, it wasn't like a push for my son. It was just always do your best. Always do your best. You don't have to be the best but always do your best because for me, you put more pressure on them when they're little like that. Well, I wonder if we could somehow time travel, if we could go back to before you were incarcerated, you could have the knowledge that you have now and you go back in time before you were incarcerated. What advice would you have given yourself or, or what maybe pearl of wisdom would you have shared with yourself back then? Well, I would have told myself that you don't need anyone to validate you. You can go on with your own life and do your own thing. Because what I learned is from where I grew up that you needed a man to take care of you. And we can be independent as women if we were only taught to be independent as women. So that's where your first codependency starts to me is when they say, oh, a guy has, you have to get a guy to take care of you. You have to get a guy to take care of you. And that's one good thing I learned from my son's father that if you want something, work and get it yourself. So when Cheryl's life is all done and everything has been finished, what do you hope is said about you? That I was kind to everyone and cared. Seriously, that's why I, I, I just, I try to care about anyone, everyone, try to encourage them and lift them up because I believe in that part in the Bible that says, esteem others more high, higher than you esteem yourself. And that's the thing. People are more important. They're more important than the person you are. That's the person that needs you 
and that's the person we need to lift up in life. A lot of people have issues. We all have our own issues. It's about our perspective in life and how we see them. I can see a person that's not living in a house and they're trying to do something because they lost some things and they live in the live in a car with their kids. But you can try and instead of doing something wrong, and I'm, I'm when you're asking me that question, I'm thinking about one of my roommates that was one of the nicest people. You meet a lot of nice people in, in incarceration. I want to say that first off. And she was one of the nicest roommates I'd ever had. And I said to her, I said, because she had, her husband was a guy that he, he's like, oh, honey, guess what I'm doing now? I come up with this new venture. And they had already lost two houses and slept in the car with their two daughters. And the third time they were about to lose the house, she was working for a doctor and she took the money from the doctor so they wouldn't have to lose their home. She gets arrested for it. And when I was her roommate, I said to her, I'm sure the doctor would have given you the money had you asked because you're so nice. She said that he told her that. Why didn't you just ask me? And I would have given you the money. And I told her what happened for me is that I said, what happened to you, you went from a place of desperation. And desperation causes you not to see the reality that you can go somewhere else and try to get a loan, go somewhere else and see if there's someone who can help you out, family member or something. But she was just desperate not to have her children sleeping in the car for a third time in their life. And that's what a lot of people, they do things out of desperation when there's alternatives. I've heard so many stories where the alternative of it would have been the outcome would have been so much different had they thought a little further outside the desperation. But I really think that the desperation causes you to only see immediately what you can do instead of the, all the alternatives that are around you. So since you've been out, what is the one thing that you are really appreciative about? Maybe something besides your freedom. What's something that you really celebrate and get excited about? Going to work every day, seeing the growth in the women who are coming out. I first became acquainted with the organization I work with in 2013. They have a group called Women Organizing for Justice, which is now Women Organizing for Justice and Opportunity. We've been fighting for women who get arrested and their children are taking care of them. And before the women are even convicted or even go to trial, they've adopted their children out because in our communities, they take the children and they don't let the family members take them especially if the family member has a record themselves when they really should let the children go with a family member. So women organizing for justice back then allowed me to earn a internship within the way of life. And then I got a part-time job and then a full-time job. And at the time I was a community organizer for them and they were bringing women out of prison and they brought a woman home who had been in prison 64 years. And now we have women coming home since I've been there. We've had, we have one woman that's come home after 44 years. We've had 40 years, 38, 35. And it's such an honor to be part of their journey to help them to acclimate and navigate this world that they've never been in. And this world has changed so much for them. And that's one of, that is one of my joys. Like the phone. I tell them don't even worry about the phone because there's people who've never been incarcerated that can't use phones. So, and it's not, it's just a handheld computer. And they, that, that's their biggest challenge, I think. 
not the biggest challenge mentally, but the biggest challenge, you know, just to use something that's new to them. Well, I want to say, I want to take this opportunity to say thank you. Thank you for giving us some moments today. I feel like I need to know one thing, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. If you had to do it all over again, would you do it again? Now that's something to really think about because what you do is think about the fact that you wouldn't be where you were if you hadn't done what you'd done and went through what you went through. So today I'm this person. So had I not been caught up in the crime that I did, what kind of person would I be? And I don't know. So it's it's a it's an iffy question because I'm sure people would probably think like, no, you wouldn't have done it. But I think that because it happened, I'm not bad that it happened. I was sad at the time. But since I made it through and I'm where I'm, I am today, not a badge of honor. Something good can come out of Anything, if that answers your question? No, I absolutely believe it does because I think so many times when we look back on life, we think, well, if I had to do it again, would I do it again? Would I, but I didn't learn that or I wouldn't have had that experience or I wouldn't have that, you know, ability to draw from to help people. I think so many times we, we think about that. Right. Well, let me tell you this I would have not chosen to be involved with drugs, but, and that's what I'm saying for someone that just said, oh, she do that. No, I wouldn't do that again. But I'm just saying what I chose to do. Because life is all about choice. That was a choice I made. And I know I would make different choices knowing what I know today had I known what I know back then. I would have made different choices, but I didn't know what I knew today. I didn't know the harm and the pain or any of that because that's not where your thought processes are. And your thought is like, let me make a better life for us. And so a better life now I know is to be be there. Be there and love no matter how if you if you can't get your kids anything. Long time ago, you can give a child an empty spool that's a thread it cough up come off of and some string and they can make fun with that. Life is complicated for people who don't have much, but they want their kids to have the same thing as other children. You want your kids to be happy. You want them to have the things, but material things for me are not the it's not all that is cut out to be when you can be taking your kids, holding their hand, walking to the park, taking them to the beach. So there's a lot of free things, exposing them to museums and other types of things without so much having to buy them games all the time, and which is another thing that just has them sitting in one place. And it, it, it is it's about being outside. I tell people all the time. I live on the street with 13 kids and they all play outside. And it's a wonderful thing to hear them laughing and having fun when people are like, what? My kids are on the computer all the time. So I'll say that again, that it's the material things can be laid aside and just get out and do things with your children. Take them. And that's what. Take them. To walk. Let's walk to the park. Let's walk to the park. Let's go to the beach. Pick up rocks. Let them learn about rocks. That's what I did when I was little. Go to the beach and get rocks. I went to be a, a rock collector, and I would get all kind of little rocks and stuff. But if you don't go, then you don't have that kind of thought, you know? No, I think that's powerful, Cheryl. And, and I think that's a great reminder is it's about the quality time not about the quantity of items. Exactly. Well, before we let you go, we got to we gotta play a game together. Do you like games? Oh, my goodness. I like Scrabble. 
Well, we're not going to play Scrabble because I am a terrible speller. So we're not going to play Scrabble. We're going to play this game called Senseless. It's this kind of silly game that we play at the end of the show involving our senses. I'm going to roll on your behalf because you're still down on that LA area and I'm still up here in Oregon. So I'm going to roll on your behalf. You're okay with that, right? Right. Here we go. I'm going to roll. It's just a die in a cup. And here we go. You got this wonderful question, and that's this. What sound or noise do you love to hear? The waves crashing up against the shore. That's an easy one for me. Love the ocean. What do you think about when you're at the ocean? Peace. I think about peace. I love the fact that God has been with me all my entire life, even though I didn't realize it for my 66 years of living. Go to visit my friend who got deported 21 years ago, and her family lives here in California, and it saddened her heart so much. And when I go there, I sit at the little water's edge, and there's a rock right there. And I always look out at it, and I say, that rock is Jesus. And it's always there. It's God, Jesus. It's always there. We rush in like the water with all our little problems, rushing in, and then we go back out and we're calm. The sea goes back out calm because he's always there for us. And that's my, that is, it's just it's so peaceful for me, man. What would your life look like without Jesus? Can you tell me that? I'd be lost. Totally lost. I probably would have done something worse in my lifetime. Been dead or in prison for life. I mean, because... You have no direction. And that's the thing. You know, we learn. We get taught things when we're little, but we get into the big world. And I talk about that a lot with people now is how you raise your children as best you can, right? And then they get exposed to the world, especially, I think, when they get to middle school, junior high, which is now called middle school. So they're exposed to a lot more, a lot different. Some people have stronger personalities than you raise your nice children to live nice lives, but they have stronger personalities. And then you have the bullies coming in who are having horrible times at home that are coming bullying other children. You just, you want your kids to be just, oh, you want your kids to be so happy. You want them to be happy and you want them to be, be nice kids. My neighbor and I were talking about that in this world today, in this world, this is a really different world we live in and the kids are different living different kind of lives now that and us like at my age we could go outside and play till the lights came on you know and you just play in the neighborhood everybody watched the kids they watched them down the street and that's like the kind of street we have now because the kids would be out and it's always somebody like if i'm in the kitchen washing dishes we're we're always looking 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 some of us sit outside sometimes when my mom was alive I used to sit outside in the porch with her and the kids. We'd be out watching them play. Well, Cheryl, again, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you, and I really appreciate what you gave us today. I'm so thankful that Jody introduced us. Can I say something now? You can say whatever you want. Absolutely. Go for it. I think that this is absolutely wonderful. I really ad admire what you've done with this walking in other people's shoes because while some people can't fit another person's shoes and while some people would never want to put on the shoes of someone like me at least you can see the footsteps that the shoes have left 
and maybe understand a little bit better where they came from. Why do you think that's so important for people? Because people, a lot of people don't give consideration of that they don't know people's stories. We don't really know where people come from and what they've been through. Someone recently told me, one of my, my good friends that lives in Georgia, she, she, she says, Cheryl, the, one of our guys at work, his son works here too. The son is so nice and kind to everybody, and he went home and committed suicide. So how did nobody know that this guy was turmoiled in the inside? Because that has to be some kind of turmoil to think that you have to die. You know what I'm saying? That you have to take your own life. People, that's why it's so good for people to just speak. Hey, how you doing today? Because maybe that person is going through something and nobody even cares. We had a young lady that was one of our residents said she was at the train station and she saw a lady sitting on the ground like a homeless lady. And she said, I just walked over to her and said, hey, how you doing today? She said, I'm good. And I've been sitting here wondering if anybody was even going to see me and speak to me today. And thank you. You made my day. Something so simple. That's something so, so simple. But people don't know the story. We don't know people's real stories. We know what we see in our perception is that, oh, look at them. And we might make a judgment on them. But the real truth is we don't know if people are really happy. We don't know if people are really sad. But it's nice to care enough to ask them. And it's nice of you to care enough to want to know about somebody else's walk. And something like you said, you look at people that have anything to do with drugs as selfish, and it can be seen as that. But there's backstories to everything. There's backstories. People that raised are raised up in different types of neighborhoods that don't have everything in their neighborhood, but they see what they're seeing is this is how I how I have to do it, and this is what I need to do to get out of this and go somewhere better. I have a friend who he he did 33 years of prison and he's home and he's going to do a podcast which is going to be geared for young black men who are in the neighborhood and he's going to say with the determination what determination he had to even want to get out of the environment he was in and that's the thing so how do you know you can go somewhere if you never see anything else if you never see any place else how do you know there's anywhere else to go no and i think that's so powerful and and i appreciate you sharing that and you know it means a lot to me that that you think that because i i truly do i truly try to you know figuratively speaking i do try to walk in their shoes because i think I think for me, I, I've been so limited in my life and I, and I want to experience kind of life through someone else's, you know, shoes and, and shoes are fun because I, I have a massive collection of them. But, but outside of that, I know that there've been so many different people who, again, who have, who have walked and experienced things that I never have. And I think, again, that perspective shift is, is something that is well needed. So thank you for that. Those are very kind words. I appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you. As in the words of my boss, Susan Burton, thank you for showing up, Neil. 
Well, guys and gals, kids and campers alike, it is, of course, the sad part of the show. It's the sad part where we say goodbye, but goodbye for right now. Let me tell you, this season has been eye-opening for me. I never realized that so many people have battled with a shadow, battled with some kind of thing that has lingered around their life. And let me tell you, if you're still in that boat, if you're still rowing yourself down the, down the river, if you're still in that season where you're just stuck, Can I just encourage you in this respect? Go back and find one of them that resonates with you and maybe ask yourself the question much like Cheryl has today. Have you really tried on those shoes? Have you really walked that out? Because there's so many people in this world that truly do want to help you and help me, but you have to take that first step. You have to take that awareness and that willingness to say, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to no longer be in the darkness. I'm ready to no longer be hidden and hiding. So let me tell you this. If you do that, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. OPSpodcast.com is a great place to let me know. There's a voicemail tab there. There's a connections tab there. You can, of course, let us know there. But if you don't want to do that, which I get, I don't know why, but if you don't want to do that there, you can, of course, let us know on social media at OPS Podcast Show under Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can let us know there. We, we of course, would love that. And last but certainly not least, do not forget this. It's kind of like the spelling words in school. Don't ever forget. Three times each, maybe. Don't forget. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned till next week, season 11. How about that? What's that going to be about? Well, you'll just have to stay tuned for next week when we talk and walk in other people's shoes.